What would you do for music and arts? Would you travel? Would you move? Would you start a new life somewhere else? This is One Mike Night, a podcast that brings you personal stories of artists and people on their journey in life, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate you in the business. My guest today did just that for music around the world. She is a dedicated educator, a performer, and for the last 10 years, she's been performing and teaching in New York City, LA. She's an organizer of artistic festivals uh, and performances, focusing on young people and adults, audiences to experience multicultural and diversity inclusion in music. Please welcome Megan Fong to One Mic Night. Hi, Megan. Hey. How you doing? Folks. Good, thanks. Good. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah. on the podcast. So, listen, I have questions. <laughs> yeah. First of all, who is Megan Fong? Who is Megan um, Fong? Oh, that's a good question because um, actually Megan Fong is now Megan Lawson. <laughs> mm, okay. That's important. Yeah, so, no, that's important. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, for for performances and, you know, my artistic work, I still keep my last name, Fong, but for the most part, I've been kind of like moving forward and changing uh, my public name to Megan Fong. I mean, Megan Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Lawson. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, today, now, I am like um, working with my husband. We've been together for the last 10 years, um, building what we call Desperado Orchestra Studio. And, um, you know, it really started its inception in Los Angeles where we met. Um, so, you know, the, the term Desperado is Spanish for desperate, but, um, you know, it was, it was a term for people that decided not to travel along the El Camino Real, mm, um, yes, since they yes. had all of these, they had all of these, you know, um, stops where you had to pay to get through. And um, so some people, you know, couldn't afford or didn't want to pay um, to pass through the El Camino Real. And so they were called the Desperados. They were the ones that traveled off the main road. Um, you know, it, it was probably, one of the seediest traveling uh, that you could do in California at that time, because it was, you know, full of, you know, cowboys and outlaws and, and you know, uncharted territories for a lot of Westerners. And so it was kind of, you know, a dangerous path, but it was, um, you know, I, I, think of, I think of the term as being um, empowering, you know, like you choose the path that um, is calling you. Right. You know, you don't take the path that other people choose for you just because they say this is the way that you go. Right. In search of something better. Yeah. In search of something better. Mm -hmm. right. That's I right. Like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. So the yeah. last ten years you've been doing that. What What exactly has that journey been like? What What exactly? Um. It? Well, it's. You know, thinking about it today, like this is probably uh, one of the hardest years that our business has had, but I, I've come to a point where I appreciate the struggle. 
you know, like the struggle is what helps me let go of the mundane. And I see, you know, more clearly what it is that I want to achieve. And I let go of the things that might be in the end inhibiting that uh, path to my goal. That's beautiful because a lot of people never get to that point. A lot of people like conceptually you understand it in your mind, but when you actually reach that point, I think that's right. when things start to open up for you. How do you feel yeah. like you got to that point? Um, well, you know, it, it's, um, I have to say that a lot of it is, you know, thanks to my parents, like thanks to my husband, like the, the support that they've given me like morally and even, you know, financially has helped me start my business. You know, like I started off um, moving, we now live in Hawaii and we moved here and I started off, I bought like my own little percussion kit mm -hmm. and I went around to different schools and, you know, um, I met a few uh, kupuna who are elderly, mm -hmm. the elderly people of our community. And they suggested talking to certain people within the education system. And um, when I did that, I found um, a few small opportunities to do after school programs. And from there, I was able to um, use my curriculum to engage um, a community of children that didn't have access to any kind of music education you know they mm, definitely yeah. had music you know they definitely were doing you know learning hawaiian chants and and hawaiian songs and hawaiian words um but what i really wanted to do was i wanted to give them the tools to be able to play a multitude of instruments to understand um a very multicultural world of music you know and that came with you know introducing them to new songs, teaching them how to read notes. And um, from there, it was, you know, a slower process gaining private students. Um, but it was worth it because in the end, I was engaging people that felt that this was something they needed, something mm -hmm. that they were lacking right. in their, you know, in their world and resources. And so I, I um, started there and I couldn't have done it without the support of my family, really. I love that. The support system is, is what we need. You know, a lot of times we, we may know the way to go, but we actually right. need the support around us to give us that leg up to help us absolutely. succeed in it. Yeah. I want to get back to what you just said, though. You're, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of times people in their lives, um, I, let me just say it like this. I feel like we're all connected mm -hmm. through the arts. Oh, Somehow absolutely. we're connected through the arts and mm -hmm. whether you uh, just appreciate the arts or whether you want to give it a try and do the arts, mm -hmm. there's a through line that brings us all together. So I think you hit the nail right on the head. There are, there are younger people who want to try, you know, who don't mm -hmm. know and find out they have a love and a passion for it and start doing it. And then the older people want to do it too. Maybe they played when they were younger or maybe they appreciate right. it and now all of a sudden they want to do it. So I think you Absolutely. hit the nail right on the head. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> where did, where did, um, is there a knowledge, a previous knowledge of Hawaiian culture or you just took the actual, you know, music 
and just made that the connection. I just use music as the connection. Yeah, I use, you know, um, actually, you know, it's it's the music, but it's actually also like my understanding of American history and American music that holds people into uh, the curriculum that I have created. Um, so by saying that, I have to also stress that you know, when we're talking about American music, we're also talking about the deep roots of African diaspora influences in America. So that's something that I really stress when I teach kids. Right. I feel mm -hmm. like you're acting exactly right. You know, a lot of the culture, the music comes from the African diaspora. You know, uh, mm -hmm. Latin music, right. uh, Native American, everything. That all It's all connected mm -hmm. through rhythms and... But that's right mm -hmm. yeah right. and um yeah and even even you know like you know one of the things that i focus on for my own research and uh, where i find inspiration is through um reading about the blues era mm, uh, yeah. more specifically like the early 1900s to the like 1920s and 30s like to me that is like one of the most profound moments <laughs> of American history when you see just how, um, just how divided our country was then. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the whole, I'm sure people have heard of like Elvis, you know, stealing music from the uh, black artists in that time period. And, you know, um, uh, it's, and, it's not just Elvis. It's actually, you know, blues artists were coming up with songs, recording, and uh, they they were going to these white record labels, and they they were given, um, you know, pennies for the work that they did. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and maybe maybe not even like getting any royalties when these songs became really popular. And then they were, and then they were seeing how much of uh, a market was available if they turned these songs into songs that were palatable for the white audiences. Right. So they were making twice as much money off of one individual. And like these were people that were coming from, you know, like their grandparents were enslaved. Uh, their parents might have escaped the South during Jim Crow lot and all of that, you know. So like. You know, we're talking about people that like came from, you know, uh, very, very few resources. Absolutely right. And I feel like it's it's blues and, you know, even gospel, even, you know, switch Absolutely. up to jazz, too. It's the same mm -hmm. thing. You know, we bring it to the, the people of color, bring it to the forefront. And then it's I don't not really commercialized, but there's some money put behind it. And then these right. other artists become famous or more well known or you know, receive the residuals for it. Absolutely mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were saying that this, in this time right now, it's been hard for you, you know, during the pandemic. What's, are you teaching remotely? Are you, how do you, how do you yeah. plan that into? It, it, I, I'm doing like the blended learning. So, you know, I have, um, I used to have my students, this is my studio behind me. And I used to have students come here and, we would, uh, you know, work for about an hour. 
Um, but since the pandemic, because, you know, I live in a multi-generational home, I haven't really uh, felt comfortable having anybody here yet. Um, so right now I'm, tra I'm either traveling to students' houses or I'm doing remote lessons. Um, so it's kind of based on what the families are most comfortable with and, you know, we work from there. Right. Yeah. What, what do you see going in the future? Um, in terms of well, I, I, I have like you know, I have uh, about eighteen students right now, and that's keeping me fairly busy, you know. And and I also have two young kids, so I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and you know, they're, um, they're a full-time job. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so see, I have to say to the to the women, to the mothers during this time you it's like you're on double duty you know what yeah. i mean like you are really responsible i don't care how much the father helps you or if you're a single mm -hmm. mother you have mm -hmm. two jobs like two full-time jobs yeah. yeah how do you so two and five so they're not really they're not in classes yet so you don't have to worry about that but just they actually my my older son um he's in he's in school right now he started kindergarten okay yeah, and um, my younger son um, is uh, just starting daycare. Um, so we, you know, Hawaii's got, like, you know, a bunch of different islands and we live on the furthest north and west island called Kauai. Mm -hmm. So the numbers of COVID cases here have been kept fairly low thanks to the restrictions that our mayor has made. And, it, you know, it's it's really hard economically for a lot of people. Um, but I, I really have come to appreciate this community so much more during this time period because I really see a lot of people helping and working together to get through this. Um, I love that. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think a, a large part of it is due to the fact that like being an isolated island and so far from resources um they've all this community has already been hit um by several hurricanes uh, one of the most detrimental was hurricane iniki mm -hmm. and and that you know stopped school that stopped um you know people from having you know i think you know their farming was probably destroyed and you know i remember hearing stories about people sharing water sharing food, like there's a, there's like a network here that um, is made for survival. <laughs> wow. yeah. I want to get your take on what's, you know, is the primarily, what's what's the racial makeup of the island? Is it mm -hmm. mostly Hawaiians? Um, you... there, there is, there, there is a, a majority of Hawaiian like mix so like a lot of people describe themselves as being Hawaiian Filipino or um, Portuguese Hawaiian um, and we live right across from another island which is strictly for Hawaiian people and uh, it's called the, the island of Niihau so some of the some of the community members that live there come to school on Kauai and they are, um, you know, what I would consider the traditional Hawaiian. I think they live, they still live off the land and, um, you know, 
they don't have very much electricity, if any at all. I think is that, they get. Is that, is that something they do for the uh, preservation of the culture and the tradition? The and the... Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if you're not Hawaiian, you're not allowed. You're not really, you have to be invited, I think, to go be on that island. And, you know, you would have to be a very special person. Right. <laughs> Has it been a big change for you coming, you know, because I know you from New York. Has it been a big change for yeah. you from New York? Oh, absolutely. Like, New York was like, you know, the, that was like the go-getter place. It was mm -hmm. like. Every day I felt like I woke up and it was like the opportunities are endless if I could just find them, you know. Um, and that was still coming out of an economic recession that um, New York had been hit with by the 9-11 attacks. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I remember, you know, for me, I felt like there was a lot of opportunity. And then I remember talking to older musicians and them saying like, oh, well, things aren't the same as they used to be since 9-11. And, you know, a lot of places were closing down and gentrification was you know spreading like wildfire throughout Brooklyn and Manhattan and right. you know it was you know it was a wild time for Manhattan uh, New Yorkers and right <clears throat> well uh, imagine what it was then and imagine what it is now because you have you know New York City you know New York is known yeah. for its nightlife the Broadway the theater right. the restaurants mm -hmm. all shut down right. And even yesterday, the, the uh, governor announced that they're going to do a reorganization of the buildings in Manhattan, which are now vacant, and oh. make it more affordable housing, make it places That's for great. artists to live. And he also That's announced wonderful. that, mm -hmm, it's fantastic, he also announced that mm -hmm. there would be pop-up concerts around the city to help bring the nightlife back. So, you know, he enlisted some stars to come out and do some, you know, things That's like, great. yeah, like. They, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Rock, Amy Schumer, so all these people to help bring the nightlife back, and we feel like it's one more step towards bringing back Broadway, which encompasses musicians, actors, mm -hmm. you know, all those people right. we need here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. How did you? Um, how did your 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 vision of who you are change from being in New York, being the go getter, mm -hmm. to now being? Uh, a business, an entrepreneur, you know, someone who's educating. Oh, that's a, um, that's a, that's a great question. I, um, well, I left New York to go to LA for um, my master's degree. And that was, you know, the biggest reason why I left. Um, and most of that had to do with the fact that I had a larger financial scholarship in California. Um, you know, the New York conservatories are very competitive. And um, I had already kind of been told that being a violin player, going into improvisational and jazz music wasn't going to, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be offered like a lot of scholarships. <laughs> They they look at the, those conservatories are looking for horn players and guitarists and you know I was kind of like the bottom rung, uh, so that was one of the big reasons why I went to California, and um, while I was there I worked with um, you know a couple organizations that were doing music education programs, and um, I had a falling out with one of them, uh, and you know I. I don't really want to go too into it. It was, you know, 
um, uh, complicated or maybe not maybe not complicated but you know I don't want to throw anybody out there as like you know uh, like um, a, a placing blame I don't want to blame anybody for what happened because really like when I lost that job um, it was probably one of the best things that happened to me you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth it's exactly yeah. what shaped you to who you are now that's why it happened that's exactly yeah. what happened yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. one again, again, you know, like that's like one of the things that I look back on where I'm like, wow, that was so hard. And I was so like heartbroken. And like I felt like, you know, so much of who I was like had been stripped from me. And and that struggle, that process helped me let go of the things that I don't value. You know, mm, like I yes. don't value the things that the person fired me valued. Right. So, you know, what is it that I value? And I pushed forward with that. And, and um, you know, I, I was able to get some private students again, and I was traveling all over the city. By that time, um, me and my husband had just met and were living together. And um, during that, you know, the, during this two-year, um, two-year, um, I guess, era, period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because um, we, we were like all over the place. We were going from, you know, like uh, West Hollywood to Glendale. And we were in, you know, just like Silver Lake. And we would be doing all different kinds of like, you know, maneuvers. So we had like a Prius and a bike. And so we would bike and drive and split and come back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I like that. So we yeah. found we found some of the best roads to go on. Like, like we, we were able to go across town from one end of LA to the other in 30 minutes, which is like unreal. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so funny when you, when you, like you said, when a door closes and another one opens and you just give it up to the universe and you just say, listen, mm -hmm. this is not who I am. This is what I stand for. You just go, you just go. Yeah. And it Absolutely. takes you in the direction that you need to go in. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your band. Tell me, I want to talk real quick about Desperado. Okay. I know, yeah, so, um, I, first of all, the music, I, the music is out of this world, like literally out of this world. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we started off as a duet. We were doing guitar and violin and we had played, you know, a couple of places in LA and we did like a tour of Northern California to Southern California. Um, and, it was during the beginning of the Great Recession. So, you know, like at the same time that we were like able to like, you know, make a living teaching and working all over the city, we were also dealing with the fact that like in the future, we didn't know how much of that opportunity was gonna be there. So, you know, we played a lot of music um, to try to build up a repertoire um, and, you know, and by the time it was 2012, so we decided that we should move to China because the lifestyle that you can have as an American back then, like working in China was like on par with like any middle-class person in America. You know, like you could afford, easily you could afford food, 
rent and have savings and you know working as an english teacher it was like no duh like yeah. <laughs> no brainer that's a top of the line yeah right. for yeah. sure like, yeah. like, let's escape this and and get some um you know some funds so that we can like really do what we want to do and um which was continue to build our brand and so you know we we played a lot um and we made you know several songs we made an ep and we sold you know a bunch of them at, on cds this was still like when C people had cds <laughs> <laughs> and for yeah. those of you who are listening they don't know what a cd is <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah so so we we moved to china and then we spent two years there and we were like you know if we decide to stay here like and build a life like we're gonna be in um like some of the most horrific toxic environmentally disastrous situations <laughs> like the the pollution there was really? out of this world like yeah like we would look outside our window and it would just be this like sometimes it would be a purple haze sometimes it would be an orange haze but you know we had to wear masks constantly and um, serious yeah and i think one of the one of the one of the things that happened was my husband jay he got really sick like like i had never seen him this sick before he had trouble breathing um luckily our doctor gave us antibiotics to take with us and he took those and he got better but we were like you know if we stay here this is going to be what we're going to deal with like for the rest of our time here and wow. we didn't really want to see um our family and you know each other go through that so that's a lot so we yeah so we moved um to hawaii where my parents offered for us to live they offered for us to move in and you know get started and and we're we're you know it's funny to say that we're still kind of getting started seeing how far we've come you know yeah, sure. <laughs> like, sure. the journey never ends you know it like, never ends it's like as soon as you finish some hurdles like and uh reach certain goals like you find that you know there's more to what you want to do and right. we just continue and you build on it and but you also so, have to you also have to realize too how many people you already reached and you've already touched with what you're doing you know it's yeah. hard for us as as performers to understand that there, there are people who are watching there are people who are enjoying what we've already done but we yeah. as performers and artists we're still reaching for more and more and more yeah Right, because we don't, we don't um, retire. Right. <laughs> you know, like exactly. ideas don't exactly. just stop coming. And, right, exactly. inspiration doesn't die. Like you know, like we're always reaching we're always for reaching. that new, yeah, that new thing. Yeah. Because your music has has you know universal appeal, it has worldwide yeah. appeal. I want to I want to mention a couple of things too. You have, uh, especially like first of all, outer space. The visual for outer space is bananas. Oh, it gives me you. like, man, it gives me like, uh, like funk soul, like earth, wind, and fire, but to another level, cosmic. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, my husband actually has been taking the front line, you know, um, because we have a young family, um, and you know, performing was something that we were doing uh, more often. Mm -hmm. It was like really hard to be like, 
um, okay, so like, let's just leave the kids at 10 o'clock at night and we'll come back at two in the morning. <laughs> Should there be an emergency, you know, someone would have to get off stage or whatever. And then we were kind of in need of like somebody to be like more of a manager and somebody to be the artist. And, you know, like, and, and I have to like stress how much, you know, like we kind of give ourselves those roles, but really like our relationship is very, very um, uh, synchronized. And like, we work a lot together on everything. That's a beautiful place to be in. That's a beautiful yeah. chemistry to have. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I feel so lucky all the time that like, you know, somebody that I married is um, understands, you know, this drive that we have as an artist and the, you know, the has the um, compassion to understand the the needs of the family. Like, you know, it's 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 many different hats in one small relationship. Right. <laughs> you know? But that's, it's kind of necessary to have, you know, someone and to have that uh, um, sort of like a mutual respect and communication. So, I, you know, I, I really, I, I can't be more thankful to have somebody so wonderful. I love that. And I can't be more thankful to have you on this show and sharing your experience with us and inspiring us with your journey. So please, Megan Fong, Megan Lawson, Lawson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tell thanks. everybody how we can get in touch with you, how we can find you, how we can get into Desperado. Yeah, well, um, www.desperadoorchestra.com. Uh, you can stream our music on all platforms. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and you can also buy some of our apparel on Etsy. We have some shirts that we have for sale and you know, just give us a holler. That's We'd right. love to hear from everyone. Please support Desperado Orchestra. <laughs> Megan, thank you so much for being on One Mic Night. Yeah. Hey, make sure you uh, yeah, make sure you follow Desperado on all social media. You can follow us at One Mike Night. One Mike Night is spelled O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. -E. You can also follow me at Marcus Lease, M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S on everything. Go to the dot com. Thank you for joining me for this episode in One Mic Night, the podcast. We'll see you next time.